I apologize to Raider Nation for, for that performance, and uh, again, I own that. Uh, that's, that's my responsibility, so we have to do much better, obviously, uh, in, in every phase of the game uh, to be able to compete with a team like that who's well-coached, has good players. Satisfied with the effort? We just got smashed. Like, what are we talking about here, guys? My thought is, is that as frustrating as it is, I know how close we are because we are still talking about one play. And uh, the hard thing is to just uh, keep doing your job, you know, and staying in the thick of the storm. And uh, the easy thing is to go down below and get under the blanket and eat all the food and whatever. It's the guys who are going to stay on the deck and just continue to do their part because they know the sun's coming. That's those are the guys we're looking for. You want to go? Or? Oh, you can go. I don't want to. Okay. There's no shortcut to improving, and uh, you know it starts with me. I got to work hard. They got to work hard, and that's what we're going to do. I think we have a great group in the locker room. They're very resilient. Um, they practice hard. They study. They prepare. Um, you know, again, like I said, if you're going to point a finger, point it at me. You sense any give up in the locker room? Hell no. What kind of questions that, Phil? How would you describe your chemistry with Zach on the field? Uh, probably, I can't. I don't even know. I couldn't even tell you. I don't get the ball. I don't know. Just crushed my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. Uh, first off, who was that that got asked about chemistry with Zach? Helps if I turn my mic on. Um, that would be Elijah Moore. Ah, the Jets. Okay, yeah. Zach Wilson. That's a good answer what, to that what, question. What are you talking about? I don't get the ball. Um, second, are we going to need Phil to show up to a Raiders press conference to ask if there's been any give up in the <laughs> locker room? <laughs> kind of questions that Phil that's one of the best that's one of the best drops we have that's great Hell. uh phenomenal answer all right let's give out some grades Grainy's grades what you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard at no point in your rambling incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought Grades, grades. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Grainy's grades. God damn it, I hate Jack Paddock! First topic to grade. The Raiders fake punt. Uh, I'm going to give it an F because I still don't know who they F. tried to run the ball. <laughs> who was that guy? Who, who, who did they Matthias. call us for one of Matthias the key plays Harley. in the game? Matthias? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Matthias. I, I, I mean, Yon I'm not going to give Matthias the F because I'm sure he tried his best he could. <laughs> he, was he was shocked that they actually called it in the huddle. And he's like, what? I'm getting the ball. Uh, so I'm going to uh, say it was everyone else's fault for calling that and for giving it to him. Yeah. Uh, it's a massive F. The worst F. Um, this is, this is massive. This is part of the uh, identity equation for the Raiders that we talked about earlier, where you have a third and one and you give it to Devontae Adams, not Josh Jacobs, and then you go for it on fourth down. But instead of just leaving your offense out there, you give it to Matias Farley on a fake punt. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense if you're going to spend that much money on your offensive players. Uh, give them the ball. Even if you ran the damn end around to Devontae Adams again, that would be better than giving it to Matias Farley. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to do that because it wasn't even there. Sometimes there will be a fake punt 
that is not necessarily directly called by the coaching staff. It's more of a, hey, if we get this look, there's an opening. We're going to go for the fake here. Right. Maybe that happened here, but it didn't appear so because there was no opening for Matias Farley to run for a first down. All right. Failure. Darren Waller missing Sunday's game. Incomplete. Incomplete. I don't know what's wrong with him. I mean, the hamstring won't get better. Uh, he works out. This is the last two times. Uh, this is the last two times he's worked out before the game and had these workouts on the field and decided he couldn't go. He returned to practice limited last week. So I'm going to say incomplete because I don't know where incomplete. this hamstring is. Uh, the front office gets an F. F. Because the front office did not have to give him an extension, yet they did. And halfway into the first season here, uh, that looks like a terrible move by this front office to give him that extension. Uh, hasn't really done anything for him. He hasn't even really been on the field. And when he has, there haven't been any significant plays. Hell, he's probably dropped more passes than he's actually made significant catches. So Darren Waller, not that he makes a difference in a game they lost 24 to nothing, right? He's, there's no significant change in the outcome of that game against the Saints. But to give him the contract extension that was unnecessary and have him be not only injured but ineffective when he's out there, uh, yeah, that's a uh, big miss by the front office. All right, next topic Solid F. is Devontae Adams' streak. He had a streak, 81 straight games, where he had at least two receptions. Only DeAndre Hopkins had a longer streak than Adams, but that was snapped yesterday. So what do you grade Devontae Adams' streak? F F F F F fail. I think they all get Fs. I think uh, F Josh McDaniels has to do a better job uh, calling plays. I think Derek Carr has to do a better job targeting him, and then I think Devonte Adams has to do a better job either demanding the ball more or, like you said, he couldn't get his feet down. He 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 messed up a few. So I think everyone is going to fail in this ring. I fail. Am going to give. Uh, Raiders PR an A plus A plus for looking up the stat of how many games in a row Devonte Adams has at least two catches because that's not how many games in a row you have one catch that's how many games in a row you have two catches and I'd be willing to bet there was at some point Devonte Adams during this streak had a game with only one reception. And it sort of ruined any sort of streak. So they had to go to two catches to make him be the second longest, not even the longest, still just the second longest streak with at least yeah. two receptions at 81. Um, that is a tremendous job digging through to find that. Uh, and I did find the game. It came December 4th, 2016. Devontae Adams had one catch against the Texans um, for the Packers. So... That's why so they couldn't just make it one reception. A. Um, yeah. Otherwise, it'd just be longest streak with one reception. Uh, but you can't do that because he probably wouldn't be very high. That is a, a lot of work to find a stat where he wasn't even the leader in. Uh, next topic. The NFC South. Incomplete. Incomplete. Four, well, the Falcons are in first place, so... Uh, that tells you all you need to know. Probably they've won one. Are the Buccaneers still Saints, a, like a game out of the Carolina. <laughs> Carolina. Carolina's two, two games out, and they're two and six. Uh, not a good division. Um, but Charles McDonald to be happy. This his team's in first place. He's probably going to give it more of a B. 
I actually, we'll, we'll talk to Charles tomorrow. I'm guessing he's not happy because he still thinks they suck. He wants a higher draft pick? Right. Yeah, I'm yeah. pretty certain he's going to be disappointed they're 4-4 four and four and not 1-7 at the moment like they probably should be. Um, the NFC South gets an A-plus from me. A-plus. This is a great division. And here, here's what was great yesterday. The Panthers and Falcons, right? A six-point game in the final seconds, and the Panthers score a touchdown. DJ Moore scores a touchdown to tie the game, yeah. and now they just need the extra point. Then to DJ take the does lead. something very silly. DJ Moore gets flagged for taking his helmet off. off. And so the 33 yard extra point becomes a 48 yard extra point, and Eddie Pinheiro missed it. Yeah. Which means they go to overtime. But no worries. The Panthers get a stop. They drive down. They're in field goal range. Eddie Pinheiro come win the game for us. Nope. Misses another field goal. And then the Falcons go down and they score and win the game. Had Eddie Pinheiro made either one of those kicks, all four teams in the division would have been three and five. And oh, the Carolina Panthers, oh, that would have the been great. Panthers would have been in first place thanks to the tiebreaker if all of those teams had been three and five. So Eddie Pinheiro gets an F. F. But the division <laughs> hey, gets an A plus because a that division plus. is hilarious. It's not Eddie's I, fault that he took off his helmet. Is this as good? He missed a 48 yarder. That's not even that long. I mean, that is, he, Ed, he is kind of right. Like, at this point, anything under 50, unless you're in a haboob, or like, <laughs> what was it that the Browns played in? Those Nick so Folk has made like 100 straight kicks yeah. under 50 yards. It, as long as it's not torrential downpour, a weird win. He plays in Eddie New was, England. Eddie was psychologically fired up to kick a normal extra point. Then you had to tack on 15. Psych okay. And he wasn't he ready. Was he wasn't dome. ready. He was in a dome. He wasn't ready. Oh, my God. I <laughs> now, okay, I only watched the red zone this weekend because I didn't have my assignment where I had to watch the Raiders game. <laughs> exactly. I did not know it was in a dome. He was, it was in Atlanta. It was in Atlanta. Atlanta. I yeah, forgot. It was in a dome. It was in a dome. Oh, jeez. Just make Incomplete. the 48-yarder. Incomplete. Right. Next topic to grade, Jarrett Stidham. Jarrett Stidham has to be an A. A. He got them past midfield. <laughs> With two minutes left. I mean, I don't know how you can give him any other grade. He actually got them past midfield. Check. Plus. Uh, I will Pass. give you pro football focus grades. <laughs> Pass. Um, because they are out for the game. Jarrett Stidham, his pro football focus grade was a 62.3. Uh, not very good. Minus. But Derek Carr's was a 56. F so he was minus. much better than Derek Carr, despite only getting one drive. So he gets an A+. Plus. A+. Plus. Uh, next topic. Max Crosby and Cleveland Furl's helmets being stuck together. Uh, a plus because this is one a of the funniest plus. things that happened in a horrible, horrible, pathetic game. <laughs> the most so, interesting thing the Raiders is, did yeah, all exactly, game. Exactly. This is that and AJ Cole being the best player were the two two good things that happened in this game. Um, aside from you know actual head and uh, head damage, brain injury, real injuries. That's got to be one of the least comfortable things, right? When you're like trying to stand up after a tackle and, and you're you pulling your on each other's is, heads. Yeah, like your necks are now being pulled in opposite directions. Like, that just seems very uncomfortable, and you need that damn cue collar to keep it together. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Crosby, Furl, yeah, sure, we'll give him an A-plus for it being the best part a of the game. A-plus. All right, next topic to grade, Alvin Kamara. Oh, A-plus, backed up the words. A-plus. They were going to kick the bleep out of him. It was going to be for their coach, Dennis, who obviously the former Oakland Raiders coach, 
and then he backs it up with the play with the uh, plays that he made and the touchdowns that he scored. But I I didn't know he had not scored a touchdown until yesterday. <laughs> what do you have three? three. What do you have three? <laughs> yes. Uh, but more so when you back up your words when you say stuff like that, and then you back them up, so, you got to be an A. I a. It is an A, but I will also say it is a super, in my mind, Raiders move of. We traded our run stuffer, but don't worry, their running back hasn't been good all season. <laughs> oh, God, he's had a career game. So let me read a tweet from Josh Dubow for you. Kamara had nine catches on nine targets yesterday. These are the breakdowns by who was defending him. Uh, he caught four or four targets for a touchdown and 38 yards against Divine Diablo. He caught three of three for 47 yards and a touchdown against Denzel Perryman. He caught one of one for eight yards against Blake Martinez. He caught one of one for three yards against Rock Yassin. That means eight of the nine times that Kamara was targeted yesterday, linebacker. the Raiders had a linebacker on him. What what did they think was yeah. going to happen there? Like what? The, both of his touchdowns, by the way, came on the same route. He ran the angle route out of the backfield, and both times a different linebacker ran the wrong way. <laughs> so you give me, are you giving an A and an F? Uh, I'm not giving an A to Kamara. I'm giving an F to the Raiders F. linebackers, and I guess the coaching staff gets an F as well because F. who thought that was a good idea? All right, next topic to grade: Taysom Hill. Check. I'll say check. Check plus. Do we have a check plus? Check plus. Yeah. Thought he did a lot. Of, you know, he, he was okay. He was good. You know, you bring him in and he played his part. He played his role. I don't know if I want to go too crazy for Taysom Hill, but uh, yeah, <laughs> he's got some guns. That guy, uh, Taysom a Hill, on the guns, ran the ball ten times for sixty-one yards. He threw it one time for a whopping two yards. Um, he did catch a pass as well for eleven. Uh, similar to the Alvin Kamara grade, I'm not actually going to grade Taysom Hill. Um, the Raiders yesterday, when Taysom Hill took a direct snap. They stopped the Saints for zero or negative yardage one time in the game. The Raiders apparently walked into this game against the Saints and were not ready to defend Alvin Kamara as a receiver and were not ready to defend Taysom Hill direct snaps. And I'm very curious as to what exactly they did prepare for because when you're playing the Saints, those are probably the two things you should be prepared for, especially... When Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry are, we haven't mentioned that yet. The Saints have three pretty good wide receivers. Two of them didn't play yesterday. <laughs> it's fine. That's true. That didn't, Two of, that they didn't, didn't seem they, to matter. You walked into that game. Chris Olave is a rookie. He's yeah. been pretty good, right? And then Taysom Hill and Kamara. Those are the only three guys you have I'm, to worry about doing anything. And they couldn't. <clears> they they weren't prepared for two of them. I'm pretty well, sure. What did they do? There was an Olave play where he was not open but just sort of caught it between two raiders and went yeah this is mine now all right last one to get to not raiders related did you see patrick peterson's celebration for the vikings yesterday um yeah i'm i'm watching right now is he he's on a cell phone then he does the uh does he do the he does the karate kid um uh stance there with the uh ralph macchio stance there's a lot to this so I'm going to say B B because I can't make out all that there is to this. I mean, it's it's there's like 10 things going on here, isn't there? Okay. Patrick Peterson uh, puts a headset on. Right. And then pretends to play an Xbox or PlayStation controller. Is that he, what he's doing? Yeah. He, he okay. is right. mocking okay. Kyler Murray. Okay. 
All right. Because the Vikings played the Cardinals yesterday. Call of Duty just came out. Kyler Murray's favorite game, apparently. Okay, then I'm and going he is, A here. Yeah, a. he is mocking Kyler Murray by pretending to play Call of Duty. Uh, okay, that's an A. As a. a celebration. That's an A. It is phenomenal. A-plus celebration. A plus. Because Peterson, again, he played for the Cardinals. He played with Kyler Murray. I'm sure he's well aware of Kyler Murray and his Call of Duty obsession. One of the best celebrations we've seen. I would say it's the best I've seen since Alex Morgan pretended to drink tea after scoring against England <laughs> in the World Cup. Because that was phenomenal as well. All right, coming up next, it's Bischoff's Briefs. Bischoff's Briefs. Speaking as an extremely clever person, I feel a bit personally attacked by the concept of an evil genius. Anti-intellectualism is rife in the world today, encouraged no small amount by a media concerned that their advertisers' claims that their breakfast cereal induces hallucinogenic bliss in woodland creatures might not hold up to rigorous academic study. Bischoff's Briefs. Well, let's see how far your f- street smarts and common sense get you when you need someone to figure out how to turn a city-sized clod of oceanic waste plastic into drinkable water and hospital-grade insulin. Bischoff's Briefs. Just because I'm smarter than everyone else doesn't mean I look down on people. Someone has to make my sandwiches. Just because I can envision a vastly more efficient society with myself as absolute dictator doesn't mean I want to go to that amount of trouble. Just because I ordered the installation of an oubliette in my basement doesn't mean I have sinister intentions for it. Bischoff's Briefs. So stop asking questions and get your jackhammer out. Today's Bischoff's Briefs is taking a look at Major League Soccer and it not coming to Las Vegas. Uh, Mark Ziegler of the San Diego Union Tribune wrote a story about San Diego potentially getting an MLS team. Multiple sources inside and outside of the league told the Union Tribune that an investment group led by the local uh, Saquon tribe and an Egyptian billionaire has been regularly meeting with Major League Soccer and is expected to submit an expansion bid next month when the league's Board of Governors convenes in Brooklyn. A team could be playing at San Diego State's Snapdragon Stadium as soon as 2024. Uh, Major League Soccer currently, they are up to 29 teams. Las Vegas has uh, long been bookmarked as the supposed 30th team in Major League Soccer, but that has not happened, and apparently San Diego might jump in and steal the 30th spot in Major League Soccer. Now, on the Vegas side, because uh, Mark did write about Las Vegas, he wrote, The league is also interested in Las Vegas and provisionally pledged its 30th team to a group headed by Milwaukee Bucks co-owner Wes Edens. Don Garber, the commissioner, said earlier this year that MLS is committed to reaching 30 teams, then deciding whether it wants to expand further. The question becomes whether San Diego can jump the line and beat Las Vegas for the 30th team that could launch as early as 2024, or wait for the league to decide if it wants to continue expanding and have more mouths to feed from its new television contract with Apple. Wes Edens presumably has priority, but his bid has been slowed, some say stalled, by rising construction costs and interest rates to build a roofed soccer-specific stadium on land he owns near the Las Vegas Strip. Another option would be to play in nearby 65,000-seat Allegiant Stadium temporarily, allowing an earlier launch. So on the Las Vegas side here, is Wes Eden's poor? I think we've what compared, we've learned today compared to who? I, I think what we learned today is that all billionaires are expect stuff for free. <laughs> because yeah. when I read that Las Vegas and would have an MLS team, 
already. Remember Don Garber said quarter one? Yeah, I messed last up on August, year? didn't I? Yeah, I mean, hell, so you were I was, being I was nice saying August. Be August. Don Garber said quarter one of 2022, there was going to be an announcement. We're almost at the end of this year, and there hasn't been an announcement about Las Vegas. And now, according to this story, the reason it's not happening is because Wes Edens is facing too high of construction costs to build a stadium. On this land he owns. He's too poor to be the owner. That's that's the only conclusion we can have here. We We have an owner that doesn't want to spend money. He doesn't want to spend money to have a franchise here, so he's too poor to be the owner. On the land he owns. Right. He doesn't have to buy he the land. He doesn't have he's to buy the it. land. He already owns it. Just build the damn stadium. Just get it done, and we have an MLS team. But Wes Edens is apparently too poor to do so. What I don't want your, that guy owning the team. What was your thoughts before on Allegiant even as a temporary home? A terrible idea. Absolute disaster. Yeah. If you said they were going to do it for maybe one year, maybe. But it's, ter- it's terrible for two reasons. One, the uh, size. Allegiant Stadium is built to the like minimum size to actually put a soccer field down. So you it's don't awful. have any, yeah, you don't have any room on the sidelines. It's not a very good viewing experience either because you can't see parts of the field from good seats. But the probably the bigger issue, because you could handle that for one year, the bigger issue is scheduling, right? Right. We've already seen the Raiders sort of kick UNLV to the curb. Right. UNLV's got to play on Friday night half the damn time because of the Raiders. What you would have, because Major League Soccer, yeah, they play in the spring and the summer, but you would get to September, and you would have the Raiders expecting to play home games, UNLV expecting to play home games, and Major League Soccer expecting to play home well, games. Plus whatever concerts they book because they don't stop booking those either. It, MLS would be so far down the pecking order that they would be playing like on Tuesdays at 2 p.m. And that just wouldn't work. So I, it would be a big uphill battle to be in Allegiant Stadium. I think that's unfair to MLS. You would just you'd move UNLV football to Tuesday mornings <laughs> at 11 a.m. Yeah, they might get on a uh, big time ESPN. Yeah, they, exactly. they literally said ESPN that ESPN needs programming for that time. UNLV football has to be able to use it. They didn't specify at a when? at an appropriate time. So as we see, I I hear all of this and I feel convinced we're not getting Major League Soccer in San Diego is. Well, it's a pretty specific story. How about the, uh, is it, who's the billionaire in San Diego? Uh, some Egyptian billionaire. Some Egyptian I don't know. billionaire is going to come in and, and, and give the money. Yeah. And they've got the stadium there with Snapdragon already. Right. They've got a stadium built, ready to go. I don't know what their deal would have to be with San Diego State, but yeah, they're ready to go. And meanwhile, we're over here with a guy who's supposedly got a lot of money, but <laughs> is afraid of construction costs. Just build the damn stadium. You what, you're going to uh, lose it. I don't know who told him that, but that's pretty specific. It is. Build That's the really damn stadium. Specific. specific. Right. That's unbelievable. So don't think we're getting Major League Soccer. Um, coming up next, Sam Gordon joins the show. Day I see my dream. Takes the snap. Day I see Does not give it to Jacobs. Looking for the quick throw. Does throw. That should be intercepted. And it is intercepted. Tyron Matthew gets his second. Pete Werner was the one who got his hands on it first. I thought Werner was going to make the pick. But he didn't. But finally, the ball tips up in the air to the Saints. Dalton is in the shotgun from the left hash. Has Kamara to his left. Johnson to his left. Olave and Callaway to his right. Takes the snap. Looks to throw. Does throw across the middle. Kamara makes the catch. Inside the five. On his feet still. Could not break the plane. Now he does break the plane. Touchdown, Saints. Dalton to throw. Looking, looking. Dumps it across the middle. Kamara's got it. 25, 20, 15, 10. Near side, and he will scoot into the end zone. Alvin Kamara. Ball 
Miles at the six. Stebbin back to throw. Dust row on the near side, but he'll be brought down inbounds by Pete Werner. The clock will move. That is how it will end. And the Saints get a 24-0 shutout. It's on and pop it, yes. The party's rocking, yes. The cutie's rocking, Joining us now from the Review Journal is Sam Gordon. Good morning, Sam. Are you still in New Orleans? Yeah, I'm still in New Orleans, fellas. Good morning and happy Monday. Ah, yes. Well, it's a good Monday for us, but not necessarily for the Raiders. So let me let me ask you this. When you lose a game like that, it's clear there's blame for literally everybody. But I'm curious your thoughts on, like, if we're assigning any blame to, like, the coaching staff or the preparation, does that matter when it's that bad? Like, does it matter what the coaches do? Or is that just the players, regardless of what the coaches do, we're not going to give themselves any chance to win that game? Uh, I mean, I think a big part of it comes down to the way that they prep, you know, during the week in practice and just how flat they were um, in terms of, you know, game plan and, and execution, right? And I think a lot of that's coaching. Now, you're, you're 100% right, Tyler, in the sense that even, you know, you could have maybe coached a perfect game and the players, they just didn't play well. The effort, um, the energy wasn't there. I think I think a perfect kind of reflection of that is was Alvin Kamara's first touchdown catch. You have four Raiders defenders kind of converging on him as he reaches the goal line and nobody really tackles him. Or really tries to. So to your point, there were there were definitely issues beyond um, the coaching. But I, I just felt like from a game plan, from an execution perspective, I mean, the Raiders had absolutely nothing. There were no adjustments. I, I mean, they were so uh, flat and so lifeless that I think a, a large part of that has to fall on on coaching. For I mean, what did you do to get your team ready? How did you get this team ready to go? And quite frankly, what was a must-win game against the team in New Orleans that? you know, should have been vulnerable, right? I mean, one of the worst defenses in the NFL, they, they give the ball away at an alarming rate, uh, most giveaways in the league uh, per game uh, through the first seven weeks of the season, one of the most penalized teams. Like, this was a prime opportunity for the Raiders uh, if they were ready to go um, to, to go in, into the, the Superdome and steal a victory, and obviously that, that just didn't happen in any way, shape, or form. So uh, it, it, it definitely falls across the board, uh, the, the blame, of course, uh, and, and the players did not, you know, hold their weight. Uh, carry their weight, but but the coaching staff, I think, just did an abominable job. I don't think there's any two ways around it, which is how poorly this team was prepared. Uh, and just it, it, that was obvious from kind of the get go as as the first quarter played out, and there was just no change in that whatsoever. No matter what the Saints did, there was nothing changed. Sam, I want you to play like armchair body language reader. How many more losses do the Raiders have until the whole team is like three, two, one, Cancun? Let's. Let's just call. Let's just punt on this. Nobody try anymore. Oh, oh man, um, that's a great question. I, I'm not. I, I would say if, if 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 they go down to Jacksonville and 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 lose next week and are really unimpressive in doing so, then I think. I mean, I think we may be getting towards that point, right? When you when you take a look at just kind of how they lost um, the first, you know for the first five games, just just the, the way that they lost, how kind of demoralizing losing in the final minutes are when games are close and blowing a couple massive leads like the Raiders have already done. I mean, you take a look at their victories this year, Houston and Denver, right? Like those, I mean, those are maybe the two, two, I mean, two of the worst five teams in the league. And both those teams still had no problem moving the ball against the Raiders and gave them a game until you know the fourth quarter. So, uh, this, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's becoming more and more clear uh, who the Raiders are at this point. This isn't, you know, we're not early in the season anymore. We're almost at the halfway point now that, I mean, next week is going to be week nine. So, I believe that will be the half point of the season, right? And, and if they're two and six and go down to Jacksonville and get thumped and aren't competitive again, then uh, I mean, I think that 
that pretty much puts an end to the season. So I, I would posit that they're, they're even in an interesting point this week, right, with the trade deadline tomorrow. I mean, there's, there's two ways they can go. They can try and uh, bolster, bolster the roster and, 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 and fortify what they have, or they could, there's players I think that you could fetch um, some value for. So they're going to have an interesting decision, but they're, they're right on that precipice, I think, of, of where, you gotta, where, where it's, I mean, chasing the playoffs becomes a fruitless endeavor. And I think, again, if, if, they, go, if they go get blown out, or they lose to Jacksonville, who, who is in a similar situation with how poorly they've been playing, then it's dire straits, and, and we, we may see this team uh, really go on a, a streak of losing. Uh, I want to go back to the coach here for a second. It sure seems like he just overthought the room a lot, whether it was the fake punt, uh, whether it was uh, handing off to Devontae instead of Josh Jacobs. It's almost like he, he, he got caught up in himself there, overthinking the room and just instead of kind of playing it straight and, and, and making some plays. I'm with you 100%, Ed, and that, that, that sequence right there, that kind of two-play sequence, I think, summarized um, the game. That was kind of when I got the sense, and maybe this is you know, going back into a certain juncture and pointing, you know, trying to create a narrative, but I really don't think it was. It felt like in real time, right, when you let's, – let's just kind of set the stage. Early second quarter, it's still anybody's game. Uh, what have the Raiders done well the last three weeks, right, despite kind of some of the struggles that they've had elsewhere – they, they, they really had established a power run game behind Josh Jacobs, and it was still early enough in the game where you didn't get the complete sense that that wasn't going to work. I mean, third and one with, with a running back that had gone for 150, you know, 150, 140 yards three weeks in a row, feel like that's a no-brainer there. At least have him involved. The play action where you get a fullback squirting out of the flat, something, right, other than a handoff to a receiver. And, and that play was just blown up. And then, like you said, at the faint punt, uh, that was just a disastrous stretch. And even if the fake punt would have worked, which it did. It had no shot. It was blown up. Um, even if it would have worked, there was a chop block, so there would have been a 15-yard penalty. They didn't even execute it the right way. So that just kind of, I thought, summarized where they were at. You're definitely right. Like some, Sometimes things don't have to be too complicated. Like You can, you can run the ball with your, your 140-yard running back on third and one, and if you don't get it, you can still punt. Or if you do want to go for it, you can leave your offense out there. Like You don't have to execute – a fake punt or attempt to execute one. So it was it was just bad all the way around. I mean, everything that the Raiders tried, nothing worked. And it seemed like everything the Saints tried on both sides of the ball did work. I mean, everything. And if, if the only reason I thought, felt like it wasn't, you know, higher scoring is that the Saints, I got the sense they took their foot off the gas a little bit there, you know, late third quarter, early fourth. So um, it, was just a, it was just a debacle all the way around. The Raiders offered absolutely nothing, and, and that two-play sequence, I think, was a, a prime example of what they were doing last night, which was, which was not much. How much should we read into a Mark Davis-Josh McDaniels meeting after the game? Um, I, I mean, I think, there's, I think you can read a little bit into it. I don't know if that means you know, he's going to be gone in, in the middle of the season or anytime soon, per se, but I think when you go out and you spend the money and you have the aggressive offseason that they had, as, as, as we've discussed, um, trading for Devontae Adams, spending big money on Chandler Jones, which obviously hasn't worked out. But nonetheless, the intent was this team's 10-7. and 7, It's time to fortify the roster and make a deeper run. And At 2-5 and five, with the way they've looked, I mean, how bad they've been situationally, uh, especially in the first five games. Just every time there was a situation where uh, they, they needed to make a play in a crucial spot, you know, third down, red zone, whatever, they, they didn't do it, and, and the other teams would. Uh, and then just in terms of yesterday where, where you're all out unprepared altogether and, and, and offer nothing, um, it, 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 I mean, it's, it's, that's not, that wasn't the expectation. It wasn't the expectation one bit, uh, one iota, and it's, there's no doubt this team is, is underperforming compared to what the expectations were. So um, it, it goes to show you that Mark Davis is definitely keeping a very watchful eye, uh, but I don't necessarily expect any, any drastic changes anytime soon per se. Maybe it's 
season, but I don't get the sense that anything is, is imminent. But we'll see. You know, you never know. Um, at this point, and with the deadline looming tomorrow, maybe we see some maybe we see some big changes, not necessarily on the coaching staff, but in the with with the roster that kind of indicate the trajectory that this team is going to take. But until something like that happens, um, it, it it should be alarming, but it, I I wouldn't expect anything imminently. Hey Sam, this is Danny. Um, if Josh McDaniels isn't able to turn this season around and get the Raiders back on the right track, could this potentially be his last head coaching job after we saw? him not be successful in Denver and then now not being successful with, uh, with all the talent that he has on the Raiders this year. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that's in play. Um, right. I mean, it's the, the, he did get a second opportunity. Granted it took him 12 years, but look how it's going so far. I mean, look how it's going. And if things don't get turned around, right. And, and I mean, based on what you saw yesterday, is there any reason? Did we lose Sam? Uh, I think we so, lost Sam. For that. Um, oh, Sam's back. Sam, we lost you for a second. We lost you for a second. Start oh, over. Start over with sorry, your answer. Sorry, fellas. I, no, I, I, um, I just if, if things if he doesn't turn things around, I don't see there's any way. I don't think there's any way he gets another head coaching job, right? If, if you go two spots, um, and with you know, 10, 12 years apart, you have kind of the opportunity to, to quote unquote grow and improve as a coach, and you don't really see any improvement, right? I mean, at the end of the day, it's about wins and losses. He's not winning games. They're two and five right now. They've really struggled in a number of key spots. Uh, if, if things again, if there is time to turn it around. I don't think we've seen anything. Um, we certainly didn't see anything yesterday that's that's suggesting that's imminent or that that's going to happen. Uh, but it, I guess theoretically it's still possible. But if if he doesn't get a turnaround, then, then why would anybody else want to bring him in? Just if, if you've seen what he's doing and his operation in two different spots, ten years, twelve years apart, why would you want to take another chance on him? So uh, he, I think he clearly kind of understands the 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 um, the. the the, the tenor of, of where the Raiders are at right now and kind of the pressure he's facing. I certainly got that sense yesterday um, post game with just kind of how he handled everything and his demeanor that there's definitely some urgency and he's feeling the heat, especially after you have a, 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 a conversation with Mark Davis like that. But no, I can't, if, if things don't change, I can't see him being a head coach in the NFL again. Are you excited to go to Jacksonville? No, oh, man, I can't wait. It's the trip. I had it. I've had it circled on the calendar since I found out I was going. So Two and five Raiders versus the two and what two and six Jaguars. I don't think it gets any better. It's a than big that, one. Right? It's a big one. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is Sam Gordon from the Review Journal. Sam, as always, we appreciate. Be safe, it. buddy. All right, thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me on. Talk See to you. Uh, Ed, you passed that one off on him, didn't oh you? Oh my you, god, you made him go. That's not true. That's not true at all. He he wanted that one. He yeah. rose, put his hand up. Said, Ed, I want Jacksonville. Ed believed in these goalies for the Golden Knights since the beginning, and he needs to follow that story <laughs> yes, till the yes. end. They they'll be back from their no, they won't be back from the road trips. So I can't even make that as an excuse. Uh, Ed, enjoy Christmas in the Pittsburgh airport. Yeah, that's the that's the drawback of no yeah. Jacksonville. It'll yeah. be Christmas right. in the airport. We got two tickets to give away to go see Jeff Beck and Johnny Depp at the Pearl at the Palms this Friday, 8 p.m. show. And you can win a pair of tickets from us right now. It's Jeff Beck and Johnny Depp. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. If you want to go see Jeff Beck and Johnny Depp at the Pearl at the Palms, be caller number 7 right now at 702-364-1100. That's 702-364-1100. Caller 7 is going to see Jeff Beck and Johnny Depp. Right around the corner. What are we dressing up as? Uh, I don't know. Maybe Joker. Maybe Jimbo has a Joker outfit for me. <laughs> Thanks, Coach. You're locked in the press box. I'm going to be disappointed when Lane Kiffin leaves Ole Miss. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? He's the next Raiders head coach.
<laughs> probably yeah he's uh he's phenomenal uh wasn't a big fan of jimbo fisher either uh because he called jimbo fisher called lane kiffin and nick saban clowns and so lane i think lane kiffin has more of a grudge against jimbo fisher than nick saban does now i'm pretty sure nick saban has to constantly be reminded like the who jimbo is like like the president meeting with donors like he has a guy in his ear like all right this is jimbo you've played <laughs> against him several times you you know him you'll you'll know him when you see him uh you know the uh funniest part of texas a&m football this year is um the whole offseason stuff where nick saban accused texas a&m of paying for players and then saying wait a minute i never said that and jimbo fisher having his whole press conference the next day to yell about it um the, the funniest part of that is that their athletic director is ross bjork and do you guys remember ross bjork's quote when he said that uh the emperor felt that his crown was being threatened i don't remember that no. the, the athletic director of texas a&m basically said nick saban accused A&M of cheating because he felt like oh, because he, was he felt like he was being threatened finally right by Texas A&M Texas A&M is three and five this year yeah exactly <laughs> they're doing good <laughs> like it's a big threat how, how are they ATS <laughs> they're nowhere near <laughs> threatening Alabama Did you but that was the big play <laughs> oh yeah we're so you're supposed to know ATS just off the Come top you, of your Jared. head let's go uh, well I, I mean I he is for some A&M. of the props he bet suggests he would uh, uh Danny did win his game one bet that he accidentally placed on the. Yeah, he accidentally placed I almost tweeted that, except I'm sort of only retweeting things now. You, uh, so the the bets that you don't mean to place, do those hit at a higher rate than the bets you do mean to place? Yes, because that was the <laughs> that was the second time it's happened. So it's 50/50. and you hit both of them. What? No, I'm fifty fifty. Oh, you've you've won one, lost one. Yeah. What do you mean? It's the second time it's happened. I How mean, did it happen hey, the first time? Danny, I'm thinking this, this betting thing might not be working out for you. The so second well. the second time in ten years, I'll take it. I've been sports oh. betting for ten years. Danny, oh well. Well, what so else? Danny, did you, have you any... bet on anything else in the world? What did you bet on when you drove to Arizona? Uh, so on Thursday, I put in, I think like nine or ten bets. <laughs> Jesus, uh, nine right. or ten. I went fifty-fifty, but came out of, came out ahead because all the ones that I won were plus money, so those were good. I got a uh, Kenyon Drake to score a touchdown at uh, four to one. Um, you lost your Taysom Hill bet, didn't you? Uh, no, I didn't bet Taysom Hill, actually, because I couldn't make it down there before Sunday's games. So I <laughs> so, went yesterday afternoon what? and bet on last so, night's games. Hold on. So wh- what we just learned, because I didn't know Kenyon Drake did anything. Kenyon yeah, Drake, Alex Ingold, and Marcus Mariota might be able to beat the current Raiders. Yes. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Yes. You're uh, running back, fullback, quarterback set up there. Um, I don't know who's playing wide receiver. Maybe Zay Jones? Zay Nelson Jones? Is, uh, didn't Zay Jones score a touchdown last weekend? I w- uh, I don't know the answer to that, Danny. I didn't place a bet on Zay Jones plus <laughs> I didn't either. To score a touchdown. Um, but well, yeah, last, you, last you night I hit, uh, I hit Dawson Knox to score a touchdown, so that was pretty good. Okay. All right. Good job, Danny. I'm glad you drove to Arizona f- to place a bet after telling us you were going to place a bet on Taysom Hill. You didn't actually make it there in time. <laughs> that is correct. Good job. I'm proud of you. Uh, that That's very good. That's uh, all right. But Do you if- have any early feelings on uh, this kind of surprised me? Aztecs laying six and a half against the Rebels. And that's actually down. They opened as a they nine opened point like as favorite. a nine point favorite. Yeah. Then so, people realize, wait, San Diego State's they're not dropping very good. hard. 
Uh, if Doug Brumfield plays, then six and a half is probably fine. If Doug Brumfield doesn't play, it should probably be like 13 or 14. Well, right? I have a feeling the line's dropping just because they expect him to come yeah, back. Yeah, they expect him to play. Do, have we have we seen anything about him for sure playing? I mean, no, I know they're coming off yet. a bye week. I, I think that's the general thought. But like, if, if we found out today or tomorrow that Brumfield's out, that line can't be six and a half, right? No, it's like, be he, like he said, it opened at nine, and that was and it's been to six and a half because I think people are assuming he's going to play, even though we haven't heard anything. Him and like, Robbins, they probably assume both are coming back. Yeah, Courtney Reese is better than Aiden Robbins. Are you kidding me? Courtney Reese had like nine hundred yards on two touches <laughs> against Notre Dame. <laughs> yes, those were really good runs. Aiden Robbins needs thirty touches to get to a hundred yards. Linebacker, hey, give it to Courtney Reese guys way better hey uh auburn fired their head coach this morning brian harson got fired. really yeah. uh former boise guy right yes um oh that's the other thing with jimbo fisher he like can't be fired because his buyout's 85 million dollars wow that's like uh was it ed orgeron when he got that massive buyout he's like hey where's the door what door right. do i walk out of his was still only like 30 or 40 million like they um during the Ole miss texas a&m game they put up a graphic to show like biggest buyouts in the country and like Kirby Sparts, number one, obviously he's not getting fired. He just won a national championship. But two and three were Jimbo Fisher and Mel Tucker. I forgot about Mel Tucker. How Mel are Tucker's these colleges so stupid? Oh, How are they colleges. so dumb?